Greetings, everybody. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. We're going to kick off this week's corporate updates uh, with a favorite of mine. Happy to welcome in Luke Alexander, CEO of Newcore Gold. They trade on the Venture Exchange with NCAU and on the OTCQX with NCAUF. Uh, Luke, it's a pleasure to have you on. I know you and I are actually scheduled to do this again during PDAC. And so I thought, you know, maybe today we could spend a little bit of time maybe less on what's happening at Anchi, although I would like a general update of progress, a progress report of what's going on with expiration there. Uh, but then there's a couple, I guess, lack of better terms, some macro developments happening uh, within the gold space, not only in Africa, but specifically Ghana, which I think is uh, worthy of mentioning. Uh, but first, welcome to the podcast. How you been? Yeah, I've been doing well, Trevor. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, so let's let's cut to the chase. Uh, we know there's an updated resource estimate uh, in the works any day, week, month now for the Enchi Gold Project. Uh, I might just assume, if I may speculate, that you're waiting for the PDAC conference to get that out, as a lot of people like to publish news. Then, uh, if I, but you know, you haven't told me one way or the other. But what is the update? What is the work? Uh, what, what's the work update there at Enchi right now? Yeah, so specifically on the resource, we're actively working on that and hoping to get some initial numbers pretty soon. And um, matter of weeks is uh, is is what we're aiming for. Uh, one of the things that we've kind of mentioned in some of the press releases that uh, ended up delaying that uh, resource coming out is we realized that by adding a bunch of topographic um, surveys to the resource model. Um, we would be able to move a bunch of inferred ounces into the indicated category, or at least uh, uh, our consultants kind of highlighted that that would uh, most likely be the case. So we got um, the final bits of topographic um, survey sent off to them kind of end of last year. And then obviously they're now incorporating that into their models to be able to give more confidence to be able to move some of the ounces from inferred to um, indicated, which as you know, Trevor, and many of your listeners know, uh, that obviously further de-risks the overall resource and the ounces that are contained within those uh, pits. So we thought that was something that was prudent to do and um, and justified a bit of a delay in the resource um, coming out. So yeah, we're busy working on that at the moment. And uh, as I said, hoping to get some uh, initial numbers here in the next um uh, in the next couple of weeks. And then on the back of that, obviously, uh, wrap a, a press release around that and get it out to the market. Uh, very good. Obviously, that's that's big anticipation there, not only for the company, but also for shareholders such as myself to see what that update's like. But you're also uh, going through, I think it was a 5,000 meter uh, drill program here that was approved last year. What's the update there? What Tell me about the targets, the progress of what's happening with the drill bits. Yeah, so we got going on that at the end of um, last year, and uh, and really the goal of that is to follow up on some of the higher grade results that we've had, uh, at, specifically at our NIAM deposit. Um, you know, NIAMs where we've had the most consistent success with the drilling in the sulfides. Uh, actually, as part of this resource update, as as I've mentioned uh, a number of times, our expectation is that we will be able to get a small made an underground resource at NIAM and potentially at a couple of our other deposits. And really, it won't be big enough to you know, justify an underground mine. But what it really highlights is the fact that, you know, there it's a proof of concept that there is, 
you know, underground mineable material on our project, which then really complements the uh, oxide transitional heap leach material that we've got sitting near surface that we've obviously wrapped economics around, we've wrapped a PEA around, and we'll continue to actively grow those um, uh, heap leach ounces, but also being able to show the higher grade underground opportunity is something that um, we think uh, really uh, benefits the project. It's also something that for a lot of corporates uh, is of, uh, of interest to show that kind of, you know, 25 to 30 year mine life that, um, you know, that would come with underground mining. I mean, if you look at, you know, the Toronto deposit 50 kilometers to the north of us, uh, the Bibiani deposit, you know, Toronto is currently mining at 800 meters below surface. They've drilled down to about 1.2 kilometers. You look at the pits that currently constrain our resource, and they're only down to 63 meters on average. So we've really just scratched the surface from a resource perspective. And some of these holes that um, we're drilling um, at the moment are kind of down to 250 to 350 meters. And that's where, you know, we start to see some of that uh, underground potential. So that's um, that's something that we're, uh, we're obviously focused on from a drill perspective. The other thing just from a project update perspective is um, we highlighted that we have been working on a, on a baseline study. That's one of the key things that feeds a mining um, permit. So we've gotten all the on the ground work completed for that baseline study. Uh, we'll then look to wrap that into a report and get that out in the first half of this year. So that's kind of a further de-risking of the uh, of the project and kind of the ability to move that towards uh, a production decision, as well as um, you know met the met work. So we've completed some additional column tests, which um, we're looking at different kind of uh, cement, cyanide and and, uh, and lime levels. Uh, and based on the results from those, we're now uh, in the process of looking at, uh, at, uh, at starting two bulk samples in the next few weeks. And that's a further de-risking of the metallurgy. We've had historically very good uh, results from the column tests, kind of 92% averages. But to further de-risk the MET, you know, the next uh, big step is to, to do these bulk samples. So we're starting those um, uh, as well. So a lot of de-risking of the project, uh, which is, you know, something that uh, is obviously very important for, uh, for, for, for us as a company as we look to, um, you know, uh, potentially start production down the road, as well as for corporates who are uh, who are potentially interested in the project to see that uh, that de-risking is uh, is a critical uh, uh, item. Uh, let's talk about some other items of de-risking, and I want to just ask you about where the the treasury sits right now, Luke. Uh, you you did a bot deal financing late in like summer of last year, so what does the treasury look like now for new core, and do you anticipate? needing to go back to the market or your uh, you know top shareholders to start raising some cash again to get you through the rest of this year yeah so our our top shareholders I mean we're very well institutionally held uh, we've got about 40 percent institutional ownership I mean these are uh, large mining precious metal focused um, investors who are very supportive of the company uh, when we saw the sell-off at the end of uh, last year, 
uh, with tax loss selling. Uh, a number of those shareholders actually stepped up and bought additional um, stock in the company because they see the uh, upside as well as the deep value that there is um, uh, around these levels. So they remain very supportive of the uh, of the project. I mean, the last reported cash that we've got is $5 million uh, Canadian. We do run a very low uh, burn, so we can run this company for $250 to $300,000 uh, $300, uh, Canadian uh, a month. Uh, and, you know, as major shareholders, management and directors, we own 24% of the business. Our view is that getting as much money into the ground and into the project as possible is where we're going to create the value for shareholders, not by having uh, fancy offices and uh, uh, and flying all over the world. So that's the focus for us is, is getting money into the project. So we're fully funded for all of the work that we've outlined, the drilling, the baseline study, the met work, um, and then obviously be able to run the business through 2023. Uh, there's a couple other ideas that stay specifically with Africa and then kind of narrow down into news out of Ghana, where obviously you operate. But you just got back from the Indaba conference there in Cape Town. Uh, I, I got a few reports of, you know, it, it seemed like a pretty good conference, but I just want to get your thoughts, maybe some of your takeaways of things you learned, surprises, you know, what kind of takeaways were you sharing with, uh, you know, not only your shareholders, but, you know, other people interested in Nucor? Yeah, so we had a extremely busy um, in Daba. It it kind of ends up being broken up into different um, you know kind of categories of meetings. So we meet with a number of kind of government officials. Uh, Ghana hosted a uh, a Ghana event, uh, a spotlight on mining in Ghana, which was an extremely well attended event. Uh, it was standing room only, so I think that really highlights the desire for investors and and companies to be um, getting into Ghana. I mean, it's extremely politically safe environment. Uh, I mean, it's the largest gold producer in Africa. It's the sixth largest gold producer globally. So that's a a big attraction to uh, corporates as well as investors. So it was great to see uh, the support for that event. Uh, We then obviously have a lot of investor meetings, so meeting with existing investors as well as um, potential new investors. So very busy on that uh, on that front. And then one thing that uh, really stood out from, um, you know, even the Indaba conference last year is there seems to be a renewed interest from a number of the larger and mid cap uh, gold companies to be looking for uh, projects to add to their pipeline. So lots of kind of, you know, meetings and discussions with uh, with different corporates who are looking at a, at Ghana as a preferred jurisdiction to, um, uh, you know, to be mining. Are you uh, dabbling in the waters of bringing in a strategic investor, Luke? I mean, that's something that, you know, we obviously have discussions with potential strategic investors, obviously our existing shareholders. So, Again, as you know, 24% owners of the business, management and directors, you know, our view is that we've got to keep all avenues and all doors open. So we make sure that we're talking to corporates. We make sure that we're talking to, um, uh, you know, uh, institutional investors, retail investors, private equity. We keep all of those different doors um, open and then, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, look at what will potentially be the 
uh, best way to move the project forward from a company perspective. All right. Always politically correct there, Luke. That's what I appreciate about you. All right. Let's generally go to Ghana because there was really interesting news out. Uh, I guess it came out around uh, well, before Christmas, actually. Uh, and the government of Ghana is said to be buying, what was it, 20% of the country's production of gold and use that gold to buy its oil instead of U.S. dollars. Uh, you know, a lot of big macro people kind of see this fraying of the uh, – the petrodollar, if you will. And, but we usually think about countries like obviously Russia, China, maybe even the Saudi, maybe even the Saudis doing this. Uh, this one kind of caught me by surprise to see a, a small African country like Ghana make a move like this. Uh, just generally your thoughts only, you know, from the, the government buying in country gold, obviously a very, the largest gold producer in Africa, I think you said, but also using it to kind of buy oil away from the U.S. dollar. This is very fascinating. Yeah, so I, I think it's a very smart move on the, uh, you know, on the from, from a government perspective. Um, you know, what you're effectively doing is taking yourself out of the U.S. dollar uh, system. So, you know, historically what would have happened is, you know, the gold companies would produce gold. They, you know, turn around, sell it in U.S. dollars, uh, they then, you know, convert those U.S. dollars into SETIs, uh, which is the local Ghanaian currencies SETIs. So, um, you know, so you're basically getting friction costs all the way through that by converting into U.S. dollars back into SETIs to pay your suppliers, your employees, all your kind of in-country, um, uh, in-country expenses. So what, you know, this has done is effectively removed all of those friction costs. So, you know, obviously, um, the government approached a number of the large producers in, in country and consulted with them in terms of, you know, setting this system up. And, uh, sounds like there was very good buy-in from all of the, um, producers who, uh, who, who are involved in this. And so effectively what you're doing is, you know, you're selling your gold in SETIs. Um, and then that gold, uh, the government is then, you know, effectively using a barter system. They're trading that gold for refined oil. Ghana does have a very large oil, uh, offshore oil and gas um, industry, but they don't have refined product uh, in country. So you're effectively trading gold for refined oil and you're removing the need to, you know, use the U.S. dollar system for that. So, the producers benefit because they now don't have the friction cost to convert into U.S. dollars and then back into SETIs to pay all their suppliers and employees. And the Ghanaian government um, also benefits because they don't need to convert SETIs into U.S. dollars. They can trade uh, to, to buy refined oil. They can effectively trade the gold for that. So I think it was very smart. And it's not dissimilar to what we're seeing you know, around the world with a movement of trying to get away from being beholden to the U.S. dollar. Do we know where Ghana is getting their refined oil product from with this gold trade? I'd have to go look specifically, but a bunch of it okay. does come from uh, from the Middle East, from what I from what I understand. And if you look at the 
um, you know, some of the news out there, that's effectively where the Ghanaian government is having their discussions is with, you know, some of those countries that, um, uh, that are, you know, producing refined uh, uh, oil. That's very interesting. Um, this actually might be a, a very interesting topic to follow up at PDAC. I assume the Ghanaian government will be there. Maybe I'll try to track him down, Luke. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's Luke Alexander with your update from Nucor Gold. Obviously, obviously some, some very important information regarding uh, uh, gold production in country with oil and buying oil products. So, that's one to watch, I think. Nucor trades on the venture with NCAU and on the OTCQX with NCAUF. Uh, Luke, I'll see you uh, up in Toronto in a short few days. Yeah, I look forward to it, Trevor, and safe travels. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.